Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of the NFNL podcast. I'm your host, Nicholas Sacco, and we've got another great edition in store for you today. We'll chat to the senior men's coach of the Bandura Football Netball Club in Michael Ryan and also speak to Stu Lewis, the senior women's coach of the Greensboro Football Club. And plus, we'll review all the action in our senior men's and women's competitions across the weekend. And helping me do all that is, as always, Josh Ward. Josh, great to have you on as always. Oh, great to be on as always, Nick. And yeah, very a very interesting weekend of action across all competitions and can't wait to talk about all those results as well. Yeah, definitely some ladder-shaping results in mm. all three divisions to look forward to. So we'll get stuck straight into it, as we always do, and we'll begin with Melbourne Greyhounds Division 1. And I guess we'll, we'll speak about the marquee game in that one, as we as we said off the top, we'll speak to Michael Ryan a little bit later on, but um, his Bandura Bulls able to get a four-point win over Greensboro, and it was a tight contest. They were down by, I think, almost three goals uh, with 10 minutes to go, and they were able to storm home in the end. Greensboro, they'll be ruining another game with missed opportunities. You'd feel 22 scoring shots to 16, and they go down by the four points. A lot of eyes on Jacob Townsend. He kicked four <laughs> important goals. Um, he combined brilliantly with Sam Lloyd in that last term to get Bandura over the line. And they'll go into this break sitting third, seven and two. Um, a very comfortable start for the Bulls this year. Yeah, and that's a really impressive win. A much needed one because, you know, they they look on. They were one and two against top, top five sides coming into this game. And they would have wanted to, you know, get the win. And they did just that, you know, a quick start. The Borough did fight back. I, I expected them to fight back given, you know, these two sides, they're, they're old rivals, both in similar positions. And, yeah, they did just that. Uh, but, yeah, Bandura's composure and, and, and clinicalness in front of goal, it was shown. Jacob Townsend, what a great debut. Uh, hopefully not the last time we see him in a Bandura shirt, but four goals named best on that you couldn't have asked for anything more from him Joel Trudgeon as well you know making his Greensboro debut after spending you know most of the season so far with the Cullen VFL side kicked two goals and was also named best on but yeah really impressive performance from Bandura but yeah back kicking is bad football they always say and yeah that cost Greensboro in the end very much so we've spoken a bit about West Preston Lakeside and their struggles and we'll get to their game in a moment but Greensboro actually have the same amount of wins as them now. So they're 4-4 they're mm. four and four with that one draw at the halfway mark of the year. They've had losses to Heidelberg now. In this case, they've, they went down to Bandura. Um, are you at all concerned about the bar in, in terms of, you know, what they're trying to get to in terms of the season? We know they're a very talented team, particularly, you know, that, that midfield and back six have always been very strong in the competition. And we know uh, the, the likes of the Heidelbergs and the Montmorancies have really stepped up their game. But, um, you know, I feel like the Borough just, have just fallen off the pack a little bit. Two losses against top five sides in the last two weeks, albeit, you know, in close circumstances, you know. I think they'll be looking at the second half of the season and they'll make it their imperative duty to get those wins to just sort of get back to that top two, top three level. Yeah, I, I'm... I'm a little concerned for them. Not as concerned as, you know, I am with West Preston Lakeside. I feel like, you know, they've got a little bit more depth than the Roosters do. It seemed like they were missing a couple of their players this weekend. But, yeah, I'm a little concerned. They've been, you know, they've been competitive in most of their matches against top four, uh, top four or five sides, but uh, compared to West Preston Lakeside. But, yeah, I, I, I am a little concerned, but not 
fully concerned for them yet. If they, you know, start to lose a couple against, say, or only just start winning against, um, say, some of those lower sides like West Preston have, then I'd be a little concerned for them. Mm. Well, I mean, you know, they went down to North Heidelberg as well three weeks ago. So mm. like their last three games have been defeats for the borough. So, yeah, interesting to see how they rise from this little slump of form that they have had. But nonetheless, yeah. we know that they are the type of side that can, you know, turn things around. Don't know if I can say the same for the Roosters, and we've just brought them up. So, you know, went down heavily to Heidelberg at home as well to the tune of, I think it was 66 points in the end. Um, you know, we, we knew that the Roosters had had their struggles throughout the year. I think what this match has shown to me particularly is just the gap now between, you know, a side like Heidelberg, who are well and truly the premiership favourites, you know, compared to the West Preston Lakeside. I've still been a bit shocked into how quickly this has happened for West Preston Lakeside. I mean, we saw them in round one against Bandura, and they were firing on all cylinders, you know, had to deal with some players being laid out, and they, and they turned, turned the game on and had a big win. But since that game, they really haven't hit those levels of form. And, you know, it, there has been some injury in, in you know, in, in all of that, which hasn't really helped um, them. And, you know, I guess you could say the same about a lot of clubs. But, yeah, I'm not really sure what to make of the Roosters. And that takes nothing away from Heidelberg because we know they're a brilliant side at the moment, particularly in that midfield area. But, um, yeah, I'm not really sure. I think, you know, it could be a, a fifth-place battle between two or three sides. And, and while West Preston Lakeside are in front at the moment, I think they have to watch their tail and they would want a big, big improvement in the second half of the year. Yeah, they'll desperately want it. You know, that game was essentially a changing of the guard. You know, West Preston Lakeside, they'd been the top side for for the last couple of years and now Heidelberg, they're pretty much the top side and that's a massive statement from them, just absolutely, you know, thumping them. And yeah, they, again, it was their far, just on the game as well, it was their fast finish as well. You know, they kicked nine goals in that second half and four goals in the final term, kept West Preston to only one behind, which I'm still amazed at, at how quickly and how ruthless the Tigers can be. But yeah, West Preston Lakeside, just, they're just, the season isn't, is going down a little bit more. And, you know, I said a couple of weeks ago on the pod that you ne- you never can doubt, you know, a champion side like West Preston Lakeside. We all remember, well, most of the NFNL folk would remember what happened all those years ago in 2019 when they came from 0-6 and won the Premiership. But I am very concerned now. They don't have the talent like they did back then. They've got plenty of talent. You know, Ahmed Saad, Michael Urkel. Michael Urkelano, uh, Max Stra, um Aiden Tilly, Hayden Gill, Alex Federico, Josh Iacobaccio, all those players. But yeah, it's I'm still very concerned for them. This yeah, they need to s- step it up in the second half of the year. If, you know, they are to you know potentially be premiership premiership uh, in the premiership conversation or to even make it to finals. I mean, again, as I said. Can't take anything away from Heidelberg. They've been flying and they absolutely deserve to be the favourites at the moment. The way they've been going about their football and really, if it wasn't for that one point loss to Montmorency early in the year, they, they probably are undefeated because, you know, the way they've been beating their fellow top five sides, a dominant win over Bandura, a handy victory over Greensboro, um, who have been sides that have been around that mark as well. And like I said, you know, a very close game against Montmorency, which very could have easily fell their way. Um, just goes to show, yeah, how superb they have been so far. So, you know, Danny Nolan, a credit to him, he's been very, very well coaching, uh, sorry, a great coached side so far, um, particularly by him. 
So great to see from Heidelberg's point of view. Um, Whittlesea Norcott Park was always going to be an interesting game. Uh, we know some of the events that have happened in the last week. You know, would have had a few more eyes on the contest, but I think you know the Eagles would have been very impressed with their performance over at Northcote Park. They got up by just three points and they had a bit of a lead and, and the Cougars were starting to saw them home towards the end of that contest. But Whittlesey just holding on and I think, you know, Jared Waite came in to do what he he was brought into that team to do and provide that leadership both on and off the field, particularly when they needed it the most. And he was able to deliver an important performance from him. Um, having Blake Watson in that side helps a lot too um, from an Eagles point of view and... Um, yeah, I think, you know, this could be the rejuvenation, the rejuvenated game that they need to get themselves back on track um, this season. Because if they had have lost this one, uh, the relegation talk would have well and truly been on their case. Yeah, and I think, sadly for North Park now, the relegation talk is going to be up a little bit. A terrific performance from them, you know. They've, they've shown improvements this season, but, you know, I think we'll see. They would have been willed on by, you know, the home crowd out there at, at the showgrounds and they just managed to hold on. Yeah, good to see Blakey Watson back into the back into the Whittlesea lineup as well, a goal and named second best as well. I knew he'd have a, a big impact because, you know, I've seen him down at Sandy this season and he's been, he's just been killing it so far and you know, I knew his form would continue in into the Whittlesea lineup and you know, Northcote Park as well, they had some great performances. Alex Boyce, he's been a terrific acquisition, another three goals. Jordan Schroeder kicks the two goals as well. And yeah, that leadership of Jared Waite was crucial in the end, kicks the three goals. And yeah, I think I think that's a massive win for Whittlesea. We'll definitely give them confidence heading into the second half of the year, knowing that, you know, they're a game clear of of relegation and they'll be determined to you know, cause a few upsets potentially, maybe like Northcote Park and, you know, um, stave away from that relegation talk. So really, a really handy win for them and a great performance. And the other two games in Melbourne Greyhounds Division 1, Mike Moranti, well, they just put on the burners in that last turn, didn't they, <laughs> against McLeod, who was a, it was a half tight contest, particularly in that, in that first half, but the Magpies just showing their class, getting through right in the end. Was it an 11-goal last quarter, am I right in saying? Yes, it was, and I don't think I've ever seen that in my life. It's, it's quite remarkable. 11 goals when, you know, pretty much the game is on the line. It's a very close game. Five points at three-quarter time. They just they just blew them out of the water. But that just shows, you know, the firepower that Montmorency have. You know, Stefan like stepping up and kicking seven seven goals. I don't think Paddy Fitzgerald might Didn't play. Didn't play, no. Yeah, so... A great, great performance from him. Jesse Donaldson, the three goals, terrific. He's been terrific there since coming back in the side. You know, Sam Binion, Leo Malt Buxton, all familiar names in the best. Ryan Gardner, Billy Je- Billy Jenkins having good performances too. And yeah, great victory for Montmorency. And well, a terrific. You couldn't have asked for a better ending for them. And North Heidelberg getting the job done over Hurstbridge, a 39-point win for the Bulldogs. That's three in a row now and sets them up beautifully against McLeod in the standalone Queen's birthday clash. Um, and, yeah, all of a sudden, we, we spoke to Jason Heatley about this as well um, when he was on the podcast about, you know, that they were probably back in that finals talk and they definitely are in that, um, you know, that conversation now. And it's great to see the Bulldogs quickly turn their, their form around. It'll be an interesting contest against a McLeod side who's similar than them. I think it'll be a good test to see 
you know, how they go against those sides and to prove that they are a class above in that sense. Um, but yeah, North Heidelberg continuing to find their winning ways. Um, yeah, it's it's going to make that top five, uh, I guess, finals race very interesting. Yeah, and definitely hitting form at the right time. Uh, they needed to win this one if, you know, they were to to prove that they can be a final side against, you know, a Hurstbridge side, which had caused a couple of upsets out at, at home, out of Ben Freelo over this year. But yeah, it's... um. A really impressive win. Billy Hogan, he's just been a star up for this year. Kicks the five goals and, you know, stamping his credentials as one of the best midfielders forwards in the competition. And, yeah, it's a very enticing matchup on Queen's birthday out at the Winton Park against the Kangaroos now for them. And we'll now chat to the senior men's coach of the Bandura Football Netball Club in Michael Ryan. Now joining us on the NFNL podcast is the senior men's coach of the Bandura Football Club in Michael Ryan. Michael, thanks so much for coming on and having a bit of a chat with us, particularly after a huge win on Saturday where you were trailing with about 10 minutes to go before storming home to get that win in the last term. I guess to start things off, describe that last quarter for us and and I guess what impressed you the most with your side's efforts. Yeah, it was definitely a... uh nerve-wracking last quarter, especially being inside the coach's box. You feel a little bit helpless at those stages of the game when you um, have your backs up against the wall as a team, but full credit to the group. I think one thing about the boys is that there's an enormous belief and trust in one another, especially when they're we're facing a little bit of adversity. So at no stage did we think we were out of the contest at all. Um, we just had to try and wrestle back and give momentum against Greensboro. We'd have taken that for the best part of two quarters against this. Unfortunately, we were able to do that. And some way, we hopefully win in the end. You had a bit of a, you've had a bit of a mixed record against the top five sides so far this year. Um, I mean, one of them being against Montmorency where you were able to get up, but you had losses to West Preston Lakeside in round one and, and also to Heidelberg a couple of weeks ago. Coming into this one against Greensboro, was the process the same in terms of just trying to get you know, in terms of trying to keep the game plan, you had belief in terms of how you wanted to achieve that, or was it, was it more the fact that you had to, you know, maybe slightly adjust the way you wanted to go about it um, against Greensboro? Yeah, we knew we were 1-2 and two going into Greensboro against teams inside the top five, and we spoke about that Thursday night, making sure that um, to be able to gain respect in the competition, you have to beat the teams that sort of sit around you and on the ladder, and uh, that was a focus point going into Saturday as well. Um, we definitely trained a little bit differently during the week in terms of the way we wanted to move the ball to be able to beat Greensboro, especially on their ground where it's a little bit of a shorter ground. Um, and we, yeah, I think the boys did execute it very well, especially in that first quarter. And unfortunately, um, they were able to get on top of clearance in the second quarter and just sort of took a little bit of momentum um, away from us and more on the back foot there for the best part of sort of 45, 50 minutes of the game. Michael, Josh Ward here. Um, Jacob Townsend came into the side for, for, a, bit, for a bit of a one-off game uh, the past weekend. You must have been impressed with his impact coming into the side after an impressive start to his, to, um, his time at Southport. Yeah, Tanner was uh, sensational for us last Saturday. Um, the previous Saturday, I was sitting on the couch looking after our little baby at home and uh, I got a phone call from Tanner in the morning just saying that they had the ball to follow away to Southport. It was available to play. Um, and we had discussions about it during the week, uh, being able to facilitate him and get him inside the team. We just had to wait on a couple of uh, other player availabilities. Obviously, we're a little bit hamstrung with our player points at times, so we just had to make sure we could fit it in and 
once we knew that was ticked off, it was definitely a uh, privilege to have Canner on board and play with us uh, on Saturday. And I think um, the performance he put out there just showed what a good player he is at all levels. And you know, you've had Neville Jetta and Jacob Town- and Towner as well. You know, who have come into the side and played VFL this year. You must be, you know, pretty happy to have those two in the in the wings, and you must be impressed with their impact so far this season as well. Yeah, one hundred percent. Both of you out there. Both of those guys, they're good people first, um, and that's the biggest thing we want to make sure is anyone that sort of falls on the bundle of jump good person, and they have both added so much value to the playing group. Um, Neville's been sensational since he committed to us early in uh, the year. Um, that was a little, little bit by fluke in terms of the way it eventuated. We didn't let him so close to the ground, but um, Neville's been awesome when he's been able to come to training and, and also play with us on match day, just the leadership he brings and the knowledge of the game. And uh, He's been awesome for us. And then Tanner on Saturday was equally as invested. I'm sure if anyone watched that last quarter, you would have seen him put himself in the middle at about the 10-minute mark for the last quarter, and he was very... Very authoritative in there, telling guys where to stand, where to sit, and um, very much caught into everything, which we are. Just super excited about. So, yeah, it's awesome. And I think, you know, obviously everyone's looking at the big name players and we'll keep going on with that one just for the moment. David Zaharakis was obviously, you know, touted as someone who was going to come in and have a big impact with the Bulls. And, you know, he certainly delivered in that aspect so far. But I think what struck me the most as well, um, playing with Bandura, is just how invested he has been in the club. You know, you just got to look at his social media and his last few posts have been him enjoying his time with his family and, and watching him play at club level. Um, he must be loving life at Yulong Reserve. Yeah, it's amazing. I had a chat to Tanner um, to uh, Zafra about it after the game, actually, on Saturday night. And we just discussed about how do you go now, I suppose, and how, how does everything sitting with you now that you finish your AFL career in terms of winning, having big wins at local level? How does it sit or what's your feeling of emotion like post-game? And he couldn't express anymore how happy he is in the decision that he made to be able to uh, step away from AFL football and come play at Bundura. And he's as invested as anybody I've seen come back from AFL level um, and really brought into the group. And I mean, at training, he's always uh, driving, looking after the midfielders at training, organising guys, helping organise equipment and um, things like that away from the club as well, just to try and uh, make us be the best we can. Development's also been a really big factor with the Bulls, particularly this year, I think. And it's not just with the young guys. We've seen, you know, Cooper Scott and Nate Caddy have debuts with the clubs. And, you know, they've both, both expressed... Marley as well. They're absolutely right. They're, you know, it's been great to see those guys get their opportunities. But not only with the youth side of development, but also with, you know, reserves players that are grabbing those opportunities. You talk about, I guess, the player point system. But, you know, it allows for players like Matt Morrison, who's played the last couple of weeks. He was in the best on the weekend... Um, having a role as well. How important is development in your coaching and how have you been able to implement it throughout this season? Yeah, it's been huge. I think at the end of 2019, when we came off the five-win season, we very much knew we were in a bit of a rebuild phase. And I suppose, although 2020 was wiped out with the COVID year, we didn't want to make sure that we let that go to waste. And away from the club, we put a lot of time and investment into the younger guys. Um, one of our line coaches, Chris Hunt, he's sensational with what he does with the individuals away from the group and the amount of time that was put into John Jorgensen, Nate Howard, Jesse King, Jacob Maines, um, I think now we're really seeing the benefits of that as a group. Um, and now, every, I look at Tristan Brown, who has just come on leaps and bounds since the end of the 2019 season, coming up from the under-19s program. Look at him now and um, him, Davey Mitchell and uh, 
Brad Marshall really sort of formed that small back conduit uh, in the back, back line. So it's been awesome. Now that we're at the halfway mark of the year, you know, what have you made of the first nine weeks of, of the campaign? Are you happy with where you sit at this stage? Yeah, I'm very happy, but I'm not content, I suppose. Um, we know it's such an even competition, and although we're seven and two, um, anybody one to ten on their day can beat anyone. I look at North Heidelberg, even just sitting outside the top five at the moment. They're an extremely good side. Um, you look at Woodlesey, Northcote Park. We both um, we had a really had to grind out a real tough win against Northcote Park to be able to come away with four points. So it's such an even competition. So we know that we just can't rest on our laurels and think talent alone is going to um, help get the job done. And I suppose at the top end. I look at uh, Heidelberg and Montmorency, they've nearly been flawless early on as well. So, yeah, there's some really good competition in the group. Yeah, you're spot on. I mean, you know, it's probably one of the most even competitions we've had in the last few years, particularly in Division 1. But just looking ahead as well before we wrap up, you know, two of your next three games are against fellow top five sides, uh, including, you know, West Preston Lakeside who and Heidelberg, who, as I mentioned before, you know, both teams that you weren't able to get on top of so far this year. Um, you know, what do you want to see out of your side in that period? Obviously, the wins will be important, particularly coming towards the back end of the home and away campaign. But, um, you know, are, are you looking for improvement in particular areas or is it just more about gaining consistency? Yeah, I think it's more about consistency, um, just playing four quarters. I think uh, both teams, West Preston and uh, Heidelberg, are very well coached. They're very predictable in the way they play with one another as well, and that's a sign of a, uh, good teams. And we know that we need to be able to be consistent for four quarters if we're going to play those teams and be able to come away with wins. So I suppose that would be the theme and the message going into that next uh, three-week block when we do play both of those teams. Just make sure we're consistent for four, four quarters. And also confidence as well. We're a very good side. We know that. Um, but we just need to make sure that we have that bit of belief too. Great to hear from you, Michael. And uh, all the best for the season ahead with Bandura. Thanks so much for coming on to the podcast. No worries. Thanks, guys. That was Michael Ryan, Senior Men's Coach of the Bandura Football Netball Club, joining us after his side's 7-2 and two start to the 2022 campaign. Great to hear from him and a bit about how those superstars down at the Yulong Reserve are tracking as well. But let's head to MC Labor Division 2 because um, the last fortnight has proven that some of these results have been real ladder-shaping uh, matches. Mm-hmm. This round was no exception um, looking across the weekend. So we'll start with Watsonia and Thomastown because um, this was an incredible result to, to really think about. Watsonia, 32-point winners over a struggling Thomastown. And, and we put the onus on the Bears. That the, you know, we, we know that they've had their struggles with consistency and injuries and form, but this was the game to get back on level terms just before the mid-season break and to just say, hey, you know, we're still in the fight here. But, um, well, the Saints were the ones that, that put on the show, really. And, and despite Thomastown coming back at certain stages throughout the game again... Um, you know, the Saints were just able to find a way. And I think this it definitely asks some more questions about Thomastown. But I think this also says to Watsonia, well, hey, you know, we might actually, you know, put up a bit of a fight. We've already had their best record in Division 2 in terms of wins since they actually joined the competition in 2018. And, um, yeah, the, their improvement, I think, has shocked us all a little bit. And it was put right from round one when they beat Lower Plenty. So... Um, you know, it's their second big scalp of the year. And, and yeah, they're, they're just starting to be, you know, a little bit annoying to those top five sides to say, hey, we're around too. Um, but, yeah, Watsonia, very impressive. Um, but, yeah, I think a lot of questions to be raised about Thomastown too. Yeah, and 
as the song says, the Saints are marching into potentially finals, and this is this is a massive win for them. You know, it's like you said, their second big win. I don't think it's you know as as big as the lower plenty one. I think, yeah, Thomastown they've had their inconsistencies this year, whereas lower plenty they're a, a much better side than than the Bears of Thomastown. But yeah, it's this is a, a very impressive win, and you know, I, I spoke with George Tooth after the match, and uh, uh, well, on Saturday night, and you know, he said. That he was impressed with with how calm his his side his young side was when you know when Thomastown came charging back in the third quarter and how calm they were at that three quarter time huddle and you know he said that last quarter was a real team effort and it was you know they they kept Thomastown to two goals in that final term and kicked five themselves and finished off the game strongly this is a terrific performance for them and. Yeah, it puts them in that finals conversation next to next to their next door neighbours, St Mary's. And I think those words were echoed in, in a similar fashion when they beat Lowell Plenty in round one too. It was about that composure and their ability to just find a way, and they were able to do that on both occasions, which is a credit to them. I think for Thomastown, what the biggest issue is has been their starts. And I think three of the last four times now, they've let sides concede an average of five goals in the first term. And it's set the onus because, you know, we've seen already this year that Thomastown have an ability to come back to, like, in games. And they're able to put on a bit of a charge. And, you know, we saw it against Banyul. We saw it against Diamond Creek. Um, and we saw it, I think, against Lower Plenty at times. Or, or even, sorry, against St. Mary's. So those three examples, Banyul... Diamond Creek and St. Mary's didn't win any of them and they didn't win any of them because of their poor starts so I think they have to tighten that up a bit they can't rely on having runs during games because you know they just get so close but so far it's just not really working for them so Mm -hmm. you know obviously they'll have to work on that facet of the game but you know time's running out for them now they're six points behind fifth place and you know with having to play most of these sides again in the second half of the year They'll need a bit of luck to come their way too, I think, if they're going to make finals right now, which is crazy to even think about, um, you know, at this point of the year. Um, you know, I think some of us, I know you particularly said that they were going to win the flag yeah. this year, <laughs> Thomas. Uh, and, you know, I'm sure there were a few pundits that were close in the greens with you. But, um, yeah, it's a surprise. Mario Bandera's got a bit of work to do, but it will be interesting to see how they turn it around. I do expect them to turn it around at some point. Whether it will be enough to secure a finals spot with a few games to go, that's probably going to be the test for them at this stage. But a lot to look forward to there. Um, the other close game in that round was between Lower Plenty and, and St. Mary's. And, um, you know, the Bears have had their goal-kicking troubles at times, but that wasn't the case this time. 16-6 and getting the job done over St. Mary's and it was a bit of a test for them too. They lost Joshua Turner mm-hmm. prior to the game and then Billy Barton went down early in the contest as well. Tom Keyes wasn't playing either um, so their depth was tested a little bit that was the Bears but they were able to secure an important win against St. Mary's um, and that keeps them you know, within touching distance with those top two sides in Eltham and Banyul. Um, the Borough will be disappointed they probably couldn't get up. They, they may have sensed that as an opportunity. They were leading it some stages in the first half, but they just couldn't get the the final nail in the coffin. Um, and it sets up a nice game against what's only fit them in a fortnight's time. But um, lower plenty bouncing back after that that big loss. Yeah, it's it's a very impressive one and much needed for the for well the Bears of lower plenty. And you know it was all set up in that that third term and eight gold to 
to four goal term. You know, they had similar scoring shots uh, in that third term as well. St. Mary's eight to top to lower plenty 10, but yeah, lower plenty were just more accurate and that reflected on the scoreboard too. You know, they kicked 16 goals six, which is a very impressive feat. You don't see that a lot nowadays. And, you know, St. Mary's, they, they, they had you know, less scoring or more scoring shots actually and it just weren't accurate, 12 goals, 15, that's what cost them as well but, you know, they'll take a bit out of this performance. This is against the against the lower plenty side which is up around, you know, that top top three or four mark and it's a, it's a handy win for the Bears. Players that stepped up, you know, Corey Sleep and Ben Patterson kicking the three goals each. Very handy joy in the absence of of, you know, Billy Barden, Vincent Locasano he had his best game in a St. Mary's shirt with the four goals. And, yeah, it's it's an impressive performance from Lower Pony given, you know, those outs. So I would have been a bit concerned for them given, you know, they have plenty of talent across the, across the park and plenty of depth as well. But, you know, those, those players that missed, Keyes, Barden and Turner, they're all, they're probably their top three players. And, yeah, to win without those three, it's a very impressive one at that. And then looking at the other results in the round, and they were all pretty much uh, foregone conclusions, I guess you could say. Diamond Creek, 70-point winners over Panton Hill, just backing up their good performance last week against uh, Lower Plenty. So they continue to be well and truly entrenched in that top five. Uh, and then Banyul, 114-point winners over Epping and Eltham, um, an astonishing 195-point win over the Fitzroy Stars. So I guess, you know, that the division between the top, I guess you could say the top six or seven and the bottom th- three is well and truly apparent right now. Um, but I think that just goes more to show just how, I guess, strong those top sides really are and how difficult they are to beat on their day. Yeah, and, well, yeah it definitely shows that. And I think, you know, the... I think Epping will take a bit out of the Banyol result. They, you know, I would have thought Banyol would win win by a bit more, but you know, they it, it was only 114 points, and yeah, they only kicked the five goals, but still keeping them to to you know only the 22 goals when you know fellow top sides like bottom sides like Penn Hill and, and and Fitzroy Stars that struggle against them, they'll take a bit out of that. You know, Penn Hill will also be happy that they only lost by 70 points. Diamond Creek, you know, they they're not no, they do have decent scoring power, but they're not like have the scoring power of say a Banyol and an Eltham. And but yeah, it's still a um still an impressive win for the Creekers. But yeah, Penn Hill will still take a bit out of that result. Fitzroy Stars, well, that's that's a pretty you know, a bit of a dismal performance from them. Yeah, it's against the top side, Eltham, who've only lost the one game, but it's not every... You'd rather not be conceding 31 goals in a single game, and, you know, they conceded 13 in the first quarter as well, and I don't think they even scored a single point, um, and only kicking two on the day. It's it's not the greatest effort. Um, They'll need to regroup ahead of their, you know, their massive clash in a couple of weeks' time as well out at Epping Recreation Reserve. Well, yeah, exactly right, because just looking at the ladder in MC Labor Division 2, that game could almost be the one that, you know, d- determines that relegation side. If, if the Fitzroy Stars get up, then, you know, they, they still have a bit of faith. But if they do go down to Epping, then, you know, it's it's two games adrift from the next highest side and you'd have to take some mighty performances to get themselves back in. But then looking at the other end, we spoke about Thomastown being six points adrift 
of St. Mary's and Watsonia. They'll probably be fortunate that they're playing each other in the next round and it gives them a bit of a chance. But in saying that, Thomastown still have to win games as well. Um, the Bears are also fortunate that they've got a decent percentage. They've got the fifth best percentage in the league. It's just more about actually putting that to good use in terms of getting those results. And then Diamond Creek still stays second in terms of percentage as well. Um, so they're on the same points as Banyol with, and have a 7-2 and two record. Uh, but have a healthy percentage of 182. So, um, you know, for them to be second halfway through the year, I think Andrew Tranquilly will be very impressed with that result. But let's head to uh, Heidelberg Golf Club Division 3. And, of course, the match of the day was in that division. We went out to JJ Clanty Reserve in the wet and the cold, Josh. But we saw a very entertaining game between Kilmore and Old Altham Collegians. And it was the Blues that ended the run of the Turtles, a, a nice eight-point win. It wasn't easy, um, particularly in that last term when all of them were coming back. We thought that they may have been able to pinch an upset, got to five points with about five minutes to go in that last term. But Old Altham Collegians were just no match for them in the end. Kilmore getting in some important behinds towards the end of the match, um, able to get the job done. Thomas McMillan and Chris Ryle were superb in that game. Ryle being a judge, the best on ground. Uh, but Matthew Crooks, I thought, was also impressive for the Turtles, particularly in the ruck. Um, I thought he had great influence in there. I think, you know, as obviously you don't like losing. Mm. Uh, but the Turtles, you know, they should be very happy with their start of the year. It's a 7-2 and two start. I think what will be the chip on their shoulder right now is that still the only side they haven't been able to defeat yet is Kilmore. Um, that's two occasions now where the Blues have gotten on top of them, both in very close games as well, might I add. Um, so I guess on one end of the ledger, you know, the Turtles had their great run, but they entered the season with a loss, both of those being against Kilmore, and they'll be thinking about that next time they play each other, I'm sure. Um, but in saying that, they've got a lot of confidence that they can beat these top four sides and can really put a challenge in September. For Kilmore... They had lost their last two games, one of them being against a bottom four side in Mernda. They've been able to rejuvenate themselves. They had an almost full squad coming into that game against the Turtles. They get up, um, and that puts a bit of confidence back into them. So there's a lot of benefits, I think, from both sides at the halfway point of the year. The Turtles still have a lot of players to come back as well. Um, but, yeah, it was a great game to look at, and Kilmore probably should have won basically on the scoring shots too. Yeah, um, yeah it's... You know, it was a great game, a, a great day out at, at JJ Clancy as well. It's great, a great ground out there as well. Like I said, on the broadcast. Hopefully, we're back there sometime sooner, and it's not as wet and cold as it was on Saturday. But yeah, it was it was a really great game. You know, Old Eltham they came out as the better side, and then Kilmore they, I reckon they were the better side for pretty much two and a half two and a half quarters I reckon or the next two and a half quarters but then you know old Eltham came charging in that final t- in that final term you know with going towards what was the scoring ends the 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 grand, the pavilion end of the ground and yeah but Kilmore held their nerve I thought old Eltham would come back um you know because they'd been able to do that for well, last time we saw them against Lorimer, they've been able to do that sometimes this year. But you know, Kilmore they held their nerve. They they got back on top in the end in those final you know five or so minutes. And yeah, they end the game much deserved and winners. And you know, yeah, Tommy McMillan was really impressive on the wing. I, I was yeah mostly impressed by Chris Farrell. I think he's slowly starting to get back into form. His composure and his calmness and 
ability to sc- get on the scoreboard it was crucial in the end uh, yeah they could have won by more the Blues uh, based on those scoring shots but yeah it's still a very impressive win and they're pretty much you know the bogey side of the Turtles now and the other game which I guess piqued a bit of interest was between Mernda and Lorimer I mean during the call the Demons were up and we thought they may have been able to cause an upset but a dominant last quarter from the power saw them charge home in the end those two have had particularly close games as well so um, yeah, at times but Lorimer just too strong in the end just showing their class really um, some great performances across the board from the power but uh, I just guess it goes to show and we spoke about this last week that you can't take those fifth and sixth place sides you know um, and, and think that they're going to be easy beats because they're absolutely not Mernda were pushing them right to the end really and um, had the game been finished at three quarter time it may have been a different result but um, Mernda should keep their head, heads held high I would, assume, I would guess yeah, they, that's a very impressive performance again against, yeah, well, now the benchmark of Hotterberg Golf Club Division 3, and they'll definitely keep their heads up. They'll, they would have learned a lot out of that result, but, yeah, the power just... They literally turned the power on in that final term, eight goals to only the one behind, pretty much like, well, even better than what Hotterberg did in in Division 1, and, yeah, it's that's a very impressive finish, and... Yeah, they just stamped their authority, did the power going into the break with, you know, only one loss to their name. And yeah, they're, they're hitting form. And well, at the right time, they've been in form for the, pretty much the whole year. Jackson Cecile, another great performance from him. He's been terrific this season. Kicks the five goals. James Appetit with three goals as well. Ryan Bongetti, he's had a pretty good season as well, I reckon, for Mernda. Kicks the three goals. And yeah, it's an imposing performance from Lorimer, but yeah, Mernda will still definitely take a lot out of this result. Um, then the other two results in that game, again, you know, probably ones we were expecting. Heidelberg West, 133-point winners over Laylor, and South Morang, 146-point winners over Reservoir. So two pretty comfortable results there, and both will be in good stead heading into the Queen's birthday bye. We'll take a quick break here on the NFNL podcast. Plenty more for you right after this. The Meadows Conference and Events Centre offers a range of conference opportunities for your next event. Whether it be an end-of-year work party, the next conference, or even a funeral or wake, the Meadows can host any event. To find out more info, head to themeadowsevents.com.au. You're listening to the NFNL podcast. We'll head straight to our review of the senior women's competition that took place over the weekend. Then we'll begin with Winning Edge Division 1 women's and We'll speak to Greensboro's coach, Stu Lewis, in a few moments' time, but they've made it three wins in a row now to Borough. Um, a 17-point win over a very gallant Heidelberg one who we know have had their struggles this year in the competition. They only kicked two goals in the first three terms, Greensboro, and, but by doing that, they were able to keep Heidelberg to just one behind in that same period and then produced enough, enough of a gap to get that win and, um, you know, some very impressive performances. Lana Rose picked... Pichuane, I think that's how you say that. I'll be correct, stand corrected if that's not. But um, four consecutive weeks where she scored at least one goal and was also one of the best on ground. So very impressive performance from her. Emily Rowe, you know, she did all she could. Her and Emily DeSando were sort of holding up the fort there at the moment at the Tigers. Uh, and then West Preston Lakeside won. Well, they flexed their muscles with a very, very big 84-point win over the VU Western Spurs. 13 goals the Roosters scored and... 
Spurs could only manage just two behind. Isabel Conroy, Ashley Marston kicks seven between them. Um, and now they've kept in touching distance with those top-of-the-table creakers, as we expect the Roosters to do after their win against them last week. Um, and then, speaking of the creakers, um, they were able to bounce back, but only a 20-point win over Montmorency 1, who we know are also a very dominant side in the competition. Um, and probably inaccuracy is the only thing that costed the creakers from winning by more. 5-9 they ended up were at the end, having five individual goal kickers as well. Did the home side. Caitlin Smith played one of her best games of the year. Um, Gemma Laffey kicked two last quarter goals, but um, it wasn't enough for the Magpies in the end. And an important response for Diamond Creek women's. Yeah, they needed that response. And it was always going to be a test against Montmorency, who, you know, as you said, Nick, they've always been up there in, you know, the women's competition for ever since it ever since the women's competition started and yeah it's a good bounce back again it was an accuracy that did cost them in the end but it's much needed for Diamond Creek and yeah um, they head into the break uh, top of the table and um, yeah full I reckon full of confidence after that result and then Lower Plenty Bundura unfortunately had to forfeit their match against Darabin 1 we'll head to SG Print and Paper Division 2 women's and speaking of winning streaks Banyol 4 consecutive wins now for them Comfortable win over Diamond Creek Women's 2 by 72 points. Um, kept the Creekers scoreless and were able to pile on 9 goals at 18. So could have been much, much more um, if they were able to get their kicking boots on. Shakita Tiama Jones kicked a season-high 4 goals. Rebecca DiPaolo, well, we know that she's always dominant in front of the sticks. Had another strong contribution, contribution with 3 majors for her. Heidi Cummins as well has had another great week. So... She continues to put on some great performances. Um, and then St. Mary's, well, they keep in touch with the top two as well. A 25-point win over the Fitzroy Stars at Sir Doug Nichols Oval. Um, they were able to turn a 12-point halftime lead into a 24-three-quarter time lead. And they were able to steady on from there and win the game. Sarah Johnson, I mean, seven goals last week. She kicked another four. So she's quickly becoming a force inside forward 50. But I think Jessica Hardy... Um, she's just been such a standout. She's so dominant, not just for St. Mary's, but in the whole Division Two competition. And, um, you know, St. Mary's, they've proven already this year that, you know, they can be one of those sides that really challenge um, for this premiership. And with wins like that against sort of mid-table signs as well, they're probably proving that again. Yeah, and they, I knew they, like I said, I knew they would improve with a couple of their big, a couple of players coming across, and yeah, they've done done just that. Sarah Johnson's remarkable two weeks with eleven with eleven goals in the last two contests. I, I feel like she might not enjoy, you know, having having the week's rest because she's just flying high at the moment, and yeah, very a very impressive win from St Mary's. I knew Fitzroy Stars would put up a bit of a fight. They've shown this year that. You know, they they belong in Division Two, mm. and after their promising year last year in Division Three, and yeah, they've um they put up a fight, but unfortunately the bar, yeah, they were just they were just a little too strong, and yeah, they they needed that win given you know Banyol and and Eltham get got the wins on the weekend, and yeah, they definitely keep in touch and. They're showing that they're going to be one of those sides up there come finals this year. Yeah, well, speaking of Altham, they just continue to dominate as well. Top of the ladder with 38-point win over Whittlesey at the showgrounds. A four-goal one first term, and then they never looked back really after that. Alana Murray, another great game from her with a best-on-ground performance. Bonnie McDonald also having a nice impact as well. 
around the contest. And then Montmorency 2, unfortunately, they had to forfeit their match with Darabin 2. Cleaning Melbourne Division 3 women's, and it was Lorimer and Heidelberg 2 on Friday night. The power getting up by 13 points. Tess Coe was, and Jessica O'Keefe, they were great contributors in the win. But again, two goals, 10. Probably could have been a little bit more accurate in that sense. Um, and then Mernda, they grabbed the three-point win over West Preston Lakeside 2. Probably not a scoreline you'd come to expect, <laughs> usually. Three behinds to no score. Um, but I think that just goes to show with the conditions at hand, um, it was going to prove very tough for scoring. And I think that was, you could say, the same across the whole board, um, particularly in this division in terms of the games that were played. But, you know, a, a top side like Myrna, they were able to find a way and they were able to get the three behinds they needed to get to win. Julia Cherovolo um, and Natalie Tadaro again, ensured that they remained top of the table. And then for Hurstbridge and Wallen, well, a two-goal to zero final term was enough to get the Bridges over the line because there was only seven points of difference at three-quarter time as well. So important win for Hurstbridge. Belinda Harris again, um, just showing why she's one of the best players in the competition as well and helping Hurstbridge uh, keep in touch with the top two sides in the Roosters and Mernda. But what we'll do now, we'll head to our chat with the senior women's coach of the Greensboro Football Club in Stu Lewis. Now joining us on the NFNL podcast is the senior women's coach of the Greensboro Football Netball Club in Stu Lewis. Stu, great to have you on and, and thanks so much for giving us a bit of your time. Oh, thanks, Nicholas. It's, uh, it's been a while, but um, I always appreciate uh, you ringing up and uh, having a chat to us and an interview. It's, uh, it's a good space to be right now. Another win on Sunday, albeit a bit of a tough slog against Heidelberg 1, who we know you know, probably haven't had the best of times so far in 2022. Um, what were your thoughts on the performance and um, how impressed were you from the girls that they were able to, to grind out a performance like they did? Um, look, it was, a, as we know, it was a, it was a wet day um, and the girls stuck to it and um, we just basically put to them that was uh, consequences for action. So um, they're in charge of their, their own sort of input and output in regards to getting the ball and winning it. And, and look, they adapted pretty well um, inside the first 10 minutes. And to be honest, we had the majority of the play. Um, and from kind of quarter, quarter time onwards, we knew that we were going to um, sort of take it out. We just had to hold and uh, resist any sort of forward thrust that uh, Holderberg wanted to have. You must be pretty pleased with the start or I guess the last few weeks your group have had and the response they had to the first month of the season. You were one and four after, I guess, five weeks of the season. And, and you know, there was you had a t- couple of tough games in that patch. But um, the fact that you guys have been able to, to respond the way you have has been super impressive. Three wins on the trot now and, um, you know, looking set to, to be a challenge for that those finals places in a few months' time. Just, I guess... What were you able to do to get your side to respond the way they have? or And uh, I guess what changes did you feel needed to be made in order to get yourselves back to winning ways? Um, that, that, the great question. The, the thing about it was, I think, at the start of the year, we, we basically went from uh, eating profiteroles to, to just raw potatoes. We had, you know, out of round one, we had so many injuries. You know, we had 29 on our list. And, you know, we're at the moment we're playing with 21s. We've had two long-term injuries, um, 
Uh, they have Captain Kelly Mullins has snapped her Achilles, so you know that's another one. So the players that who were on the cusp of uh, healing are now healed, and they're starting to filter back slowly in. So which was great. So the progression of the group in the last three games has has been great, mainly due to these players coming back and being given a survival a bit more upbeat. Breon Thank has been someone that's had a, a superb month of football. She's equal fifth as yep. of last week in the coaches MVP race, and yeah, just been um, giving some awesome best on ground performances. Tell us a bit more about her and, and her game, and, and I guess what's made her so impressive in the last few weeks, that, and what's really what really stands out about the way she goes about it. Yeah, look, uh, Bree's new to the game, and she probably stands around about uh, one eighty, uh, you know, just on six foot. Um, in in her downtime, she's a 10k specialist. She just loves to run, and um, even after before and after training, she's just running that extra those extra laps. But she's got that she wants and will to learn. Um, she's a potential draftee. She continues on her trajectory. Um, like as I said, she runs all day. And her, her mindset is she wants to blow her opponents up in the ruck. Um, even the last game, last Sunday, they saw three opponents on her um, and she relished the wet and she just, they just couldn't keep up. And she's just one of those players who's got a mindset of uh, um, a competitive insect, I should say, of just wanting to win. Who are some of the other players that, you know, you feel are really standing up in your view? Obviously, the last few weeks would have highlighted, you know, some of the ones that have really increased their development. But who are maybe some of the lesser known players you felt have been really impressive and that have made such strong impacts to your side? Yeah, um, look, Lana Rose Piccioni, um, she's one of our younger brigade and she's adjusted to women's footy now and she simply reads the play. It's, it's unbelievable with the position she puts herself in. Um, it's the best position for her all the time. And she's a she's the old-fashioned utility line, which will go anywhere and adapt in minutes. So um, player in the half-back line is, hasn't even stopped her from kicking goals for us. You know, So she wanders the way up. She, so she finds a way, Lana. She's a, she's a great asset to us and a really good kid around the club. Yeah, well, she's scored, um, I think we were saying before, the last four games she's scored at least one goal. And I guess hearing the fact that she, you've been putting her in different positions around the ground, I just it just shows her prowess and her ability to get up forward and and have an impact, which is great to see. I think Sarah Hubers as, as well has been another one that I've felt has been you know really strong for your side in the last month. Um, with the upcoming break, you know what have you made of the first half of the season? And you know have you been impressed with where you've been at so far, and or, or what have you liked or maybe want to improve upon in the next half? Yeah, look, the um, the first game, I think, we saw us play Darabin in a grading game. And, you know, we were in front at three-quarter time, but then we had two critical injuries there. Our full-back was knocked out, and um, we had one with a leg issue. Um, and it kind of affected the side in the last corner. And, and to be honest, our fitness gave out, and Darabin was just too strong and overran us. But that was that was good insight into where Darabin at and how we can attack them the next time we play them. Um we were quite upbeat. We missed a game against the BU due to some health and safety protocols within the club. Um, we got them later on during the year, so that was good. Um, and then, you know, the hump for us at the moment, I know we're at the halfway mark now, but the, the, the hump for us was Diamond Creek. We just wanted to improve on our last performance. Um, I know it was a, a, a hefty win that they had, but we, we improved a lot from a, from a 100-point thrashing that we got last year. So... Um, once that game was over, the, the, the pressure was off on the group and they just felt that they just wanted to play footy now. We, we know where we at, we're at in terms of where we're going to finish in the year. 
Um, but we want to take rounds off the good sides. I've said it before, and ultimately one day we're going to we're going to win one against them, and it's going to be great. So there you go. <laughs> I'm sure you're looking forward to that when it, when it comes yeah. across. You know, you spoke a bit about you know where you sort of want to be at at the end of the season. What are those expectations? Is it finals? Is it more? What 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 do you want to see your side achieve um, by the end of the home and away campaign at the least? Yeah, look, we, we, I think currently we're sitting sixth. Um, and the way it is, we play all the top four sides in um, in, in the last five rounds, and we've got Mont- Montmorency twice. So um, we're, we're hoping to stay where we are, um, you know, and by pure luck, the other sides will play each other and negate each other a bit. So we only have to get find a win here or there, and we find ourselves, you know, a game in the four. So, well, sorry, a, a, um, a spot in the four. So we're looking forward to it um it's a it's a challenge and it's on the group now how they respond um and at the moment they're up and about three on the trot for them is really good for us so we go into the break um you know we'll have a break this week we'll go out and have a, a club meal with the um all the players and then we'll come back and hit you know the run home strongly Stu, it's been great to chat to you and get a bit of an insight into the women's program there at the greensboro football netball club enjoy the break and, and all the best for the rest of the year yeah, thanks, Nicholas. I appreciate your time. Thank you. That was the senior women's coach of the Greensboro Football Nepal Club, Stu Lewis, after his side's three wins in a row in the NFL women's competition. But before we wrap up, we usually go through a preview of the upcoming games, but we've made it very simple this week, Josh. It's just the one to look at, and it's between McLeod and North Heidelberg at De Winton Park. A lot to look forward to between these two sides, and I think we'll say a bit um, about both clubs, depending on what the result is. Yeah, and I think yeah, this will this result, whoever gets the win, it will show, you know, who will be the side that, that challenges, you know, West Preston Lakeside for the rest of the season for for the top f- for the for that final position in the top five, you know, it's a massive one out at the Winton Park, and you know it could show how much uh, how how much the Bulldogs have improved since that round one loss, and and how much potentially as well, you know, McLeod have have slowly started to to fall a little bit since that round one win for them, but you know Brent Harvey could be set to play as well with North Melbourne playing in mm. Victoria and on the Sunday as well. That would be a massive inclusion. For the Bulldogs, he had. Well, he kicked three goals last time he played. Yeah, so was one of the best in the ground. So. Uh, if he can do that again, along with Billy Hogan potentially kicking a bag, it could go a long way for the Bulldogs getting the victory. You know, McLeod, they might get some some players back. They already they'll did. need to. They'll they definitely need to because you know the last couple of weeks they've they've struggled and you know it will be interesting to see um, how they respond and yeah I. Uh, I can't wait to yeah see see how that result pans out as well. Absolutely. A lot to look forward to during that game on Saturday. Of course, for all your latest news and updates, you can head to the NFNL website, nfnl.org.au. Josh, great to be with you as always. Have a fantastic week and looking forward to getting stuck into next week's action um, next week. Yeah, and can't wait to, you know, see how the match out at the Wind Park, as I said before, pans out. And, yeah, you have a great Queen's birthday weekend too, mate. I've been your host, Nicholas Sacco, and you've been listening to the NFNL Podcast.